Hello and welcome to Real Time Strategy, a gaming podcast from PR Pros. I'm Sam Mosier, joined as always by my co-host Caitlin Redwing, and today we're thrilled to be joined the ma- by the master of hype, kind of funnies, Snowbike Mike. <laughs> How are you doing today, Mike? Hey, what up? Happy Monday, y'all. I'm doing great. <laughs> I am so happy to get some spend some time with both of you and talk some video games. Yeah, awesome. Thank you so fun. much for joining us. Yeah, I feel like we need to shout out. We t- already sh- did it before the podcast. Overall Mondays is apparently I a thing. Kind of thing. funny offices. And, and we are making uh, it a thing because we are overall <laughs> Mondays. So we wear overalls on Monday. If I steal that, I will give you credit. Okay. Okay. I, I had to give it. credit to Chewy Potatoes out in our community. <laughs> Chewy, that's for you. She knows who she is. I like it. I'm going to have to pick up a pair of overalls myself. I see y'all wearing them on content and I'm like, okay, overalls are back in and y'all are making them look, pulling them off easy. I don't know if I can, but I'll try. <laughs> they're like multi-purpose, you know, they look great. You don't really have, they're easy, comfortable, but spontaneously have to paint something. Perfect. You're all <laughs> set. Clothes are stained. Paint-free. Uh, so on the note of clothing, we we shelved this before we started recording. The other thing I thought about wearing today, other than my honorary green sweater, because we are talking Xbox today, is I did think about wearing for the second episode in a row my Chiefs sweatshirt uh, because I don't know if it was good luck that I wore it last week. Uh, But yes, uh, Mike, I'm sorry. Mike is joining us as a Bills fan. Oh, 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 no, Caitlin's wearing it. Oh, no. (laughs) How did you miss that kick, y'all? How did you miss it? I have it covered. We're good. Kansas City Chiefs represented because I forgot to wear it last year, last year, last week. I got it covered today, but I didn't want to like rub it in your face, Mike. So I was like, I'll That's throw right. a sweatshirt over it. I mean, you revealing it is a little <laughs> rubbing in my face, but I appreciate that. And so here's I just the thing. a little bit. Here's the thing. My family is big Buffalo Bills fans. We are from Denver, Colorado. So we're also Broncos fans, but dad is from Buffalo and uh, we are used to losing all the time. And so we're going to keep it positive here. We're going to talk about the love story that is. Travis Kelsey oh. and Taylor Swift and the oh. idea that these two could possibly go to the Super Bowl and share a love story like none other. Maybe a beautiful kiss after hoisting <laughs> up the trophy on the 50 yard line. The brother with no T-shirt on chugging beer. It's going to be a beautiful love story. y'all, And I'm here for it. The NFL script writers this season are really popping <laughs> off. They did phenomenal yes. work. I got to say, couldn't have done it better myself, except I did say Back in, I don't know, June, July, whenever Travis Kelsey went to Taylor Swift concert, I called my mom and I was like, those two would make a beautiful couple. They should get together. I was like, these are two of my favorite people. I called it. I knew it. It's like, I love Travis Kelsey. I love Taylor Swift. They're just, ah, it's, it is a fantastic love story. And if they go to the Super Bowl, oh my God, my day will be. Oh my gosh. I love the love story. And I have one rule though. This is for Taylor. So if she does see this one day, Taylor, here's the rule. If we make it to the Super Bowl, as much as I would love to give the boots to usher and make you do the halftime show. No, I want you to have fun. I want you to party with the family, but you do have to sing the national anthem. Like it's a rule, unfortunately, like you have to come down from the box. You got to do the big opening and then you can go up and party all you want. (laughs) I'm in. I, you know what you know what make that even better? And this is also my my Michigan roots are coming through. And I wasn't even I was scared to voice it until yesterday, but a Lions Chiefs Super Bowl is possible. 
Eminem, big fan of Lions. He's been at the last couple games. Lions, sorry, you're seeing my bed pillow in the background because my camera is starting to be weird. No. But, uh, <laughs> I always uh, thought you had the library or you had a beautiful <laughs> library in your home. Oh my god! I gosh. have broken it. <laughs> <laughs> the illusion uh, is shattered. <laughs> the illusion is shattered. Oh. I will say we're totally off topic. Anyways, Eminem Taylor Swift would have been fantastic. I do own this many books in my house. Okay, okay. I will say <laughs> on a different wall, this is a thing, but it's in rainbow, and it would be great if I could set that up to be my background the physics of my apartment do not work at this point this time and point one day this will not be a fake screen and it will be we need an engine upgrade (laughs) for the physics (laughs) in your bedroom (laughs) i i just need to put a green screen up but i just haven't done it but or but i'm fully with you there mike on the love story uh base here in kansas city we've been reading the blind items since july the concert happened we've been I mean, it felt like a pipe dream, and then all of a sudden, the rumors were swirling around that they had started dating. And yeah, it's it's the story oh. that has swept the city. Uh, <laughs> the the I don't know if the bar cheers louder when the Chiefs score or when they show Taylor on screen. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, I'm with you. Hopefully, we get to see Taylor leaving her tour briefly to cheer Travis on at the Super Bowl. You know what? As long story. as your bars are cheering her on. I saw some a lot of really unruly and rude Bills fans. I'm not surprised it's the Bills. They're not the like I I do love watching Bills Chiefs games. They're some of the most entertaining games that we have anytime those two teams match up together. However, the Bills fans, you guys gotta get a life to be like I saw. <laughs> Caitlin, there's nothing going on in Buffalo. You have to understand, this is their life. There's nothing else but a frozen tundra nine months out of the year. It sucks all the time. This is it. They're shoveling snow for $20 to go watch them lose, Caitlin. You got to understand, this is all they got. Okay, but the burning of the Taylor Swift photos and the booing and throwing the snowballs at her her car and throwing them at, at... like Mahomes and booing Travis Kelsey, who like you know what, some showmanship, some sports oh. sportsman like showmanship. Where why is that lost all of a sudden? Caitlin, that's uh. the last time she'll ever be in Buffalo. You know what I mean? So I hope <laughs> yeah, they all get never theirs, going back because Taylor's never coming to Buffalo. Everybody remember that. <laughs> Uh, well it's a love story between travis and taylor it's a love story between kansas city and the travis taylor relationship and also it's a love story between mike and xbox we're talking this week (laughs) about the developer direct (laughs) for those who don't know uh, mike is a host at kind of funny check him out on twitch.tv slash kind of funny games almost i mean is it every day mike i i most of the time, right? Yeah, five days a week. Uh, we are streaming. We're talking games over here. The podcast is once a week. I stream on my own channel as well. So, yeah, it's about every single day we're streaming and doing some sort of live content. It's always fun. Well, we appreciate you giving more of your hosting talents for us on this show today. Again, if you want to hear Mike talk every week about Xbox, you can do that on the Kind of Funny Xcast. Uh, we'll be talking today about the Developer Direct and just Xbox in 2024 in general. So, if you want a weekly dose of that, go check that out. But before we get into all things developer direct and xbox in 2024 a fun we always like to do a little bit get to know you question mike when we have a new guest on so in honor of talking xbox if you could bring one xbox franchise back you know the summer showcase is coming in june 
What are you hoping gets announced as a franchise coming back? Oh, that's a really fun one. That's a great question because it has some great franchises. And we've been blessed with some great old school, bringing it into the new school. Master Chief Collection, I'm looking at you. Um, But I'm going (laughs) to give you a fun one right now. Normally, I would say Fusion Frenzy. But you know what? I was just thinking about Animal Crossing, and I'm thinking about Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth, bringing in a new city management on an island. I'm thinking, man, we really love these farming sims. We really love (laughs) these just life sims. Let's bring back Viva Pinata. I think the kids need Viva Pinata. I need it. I need a little cuteness overload in my life. So if I could, I know it's been a long time, but I would say, yo, let's let's figure this out, Phil Spencer. Let's make this happen. I love that answer. Call Mike. Yeah. <laughs> Call me up is right, Phil. Call, yeah, we've gotten oh some great ones. I mean, Age of Empires has come back into my life on console, and I think that's a big hit. I love seeing Age 4. I think that's pretty special in the RTS world. Um, you know, you have the rumored Gears of War collection, and I think that would be a massive hit just to kind of bundle all those games back up and give people the chance to relive the memories. What they did with Master Chief Collection was really special, right? Putting all those games and all the multiplayer under one roof where you could click a, just an ease of one button button press and you're playing games gears would really benefit off of that uh i think fable one through three would also be a big hit if you could figure out how to bring that in but we're talking about franchises that need some love franchises that haven't returned (laughs) it's got to be viva pinata because it's just perfect right now yeah it's it's funny timing you mentioned that uh a guest from uh, now two episodes ago nick calandra of second wind group uh tweeted similar thoughts of like cozy games are everywhere where is the viva pinata reboot uh Mm -hmm. i just feel like it would be immediate tiktok just virality everybody would love those little guys (laughs) running around populating their farm so i love that idea fully behind it but that was, for now, let's I w- yeah, go on, Caitlin. Oh, I was just going to say, I'm like, I I did not grow up playing Xbox. So there's a lot of Xbox franchises I have missed. But when you asked that, you wrote that question in our outline, Viva Pinata was one of the only games that I was like, <laughs> oh, I actually remember that one. I loved that game. <laughs> so I was like, that's I'm with you because that is one of the only things I can think of. And I would have probably said Fable, but we already know what Fable is in the works. So. Mm-hmm. And a little self-owned yeah. joke for all the PlayStation Nintendo fans out there. Caitlin, don't worry. There's not that many franchises. You know what I mean? We got a car. We got a guy in a helmet. We got a bro dude, chainsawing people. There's not much going on. Don't worry about it. I I mean, speaking of Rare, my answer would have been, especially after Tears of the Kingdom, I would love to see Rare take another stab at Banjo-Kazooie. No, technically it started as a Nintendo franchise, but last time we saw it, it was on Xbox. Even if it was like a nuts and bolts sequel, I think we're in an era of make your own play kind of fun that would be more adopting of that game than people were in the, what was that? Probably late two thousands, early 2010s Uh, or hell. I mean, just give me Banjo 3E classic 3D platformer. I'd eat that up. That is a great poll, Sam. And I know my co-host Paris Lilly would be right there with you, hyping it all up and getting excited. Yeah. Rare is a very talented studio. They got something special right now with Sea of Thieves. Uh, I look forward to seeing what they do in the future, but I would love for them to jump back into the back catalog. I'm a big Conker's Bad Fur Day kid, so I would love to see the Angry Squirrel come back. Maybe give me a mature (laughs) 3D platformer would be a lot of fun, but I do think 
that Xbox should look into a number of things when we look at the pie chart and the different games and genres they should be jumping into. A mascot 3D platformers right up the alley. I know we've tried with Super Lucky's Tale and we've seen games like Ukulele come and go, but I, I think they got something special there with Rare. They should probably figure out how to do that. But thank you to Tim Schafer and the team with Psychonauts <laughs> that carries yes. that torch over on the Xbox side. Yeah. Good shout. Yeah, interesting. You just what you just said about conquer kind of got me thinking about you know microsoft has the the halo show on paramount uh, but of course like playstation even nintendo are making really big moves into adaptations right now even if we never see another conquer game i could see like an adult animated netflix conquer show one day you know not that far off from something like big mouth oh. or yeah <laughs> Big Mouth, you think of Deadpool and Deadpool 3 coming up. You mm -hmm. also think about what we watch with the boys, right? Like people yeah. like that kind of edgy, violent, really, you know, foul-worded, foul-mouth type humor now. I, I think Conquer would fit very well into this landscape. <laughs> well, let's rewind here. Let's look at Xbox's presence. Last week on Thursday, uh, a little bit a little bit before a week of this episode, the Developer Direct aired. Um, this is the second annual one now. Of course, those who might remember, last year in January, they kicked off this new kind of showcase format, giving us really nice deep dives into developers first, explaining what they're making, diving deep into a little bit of feature of each. Last year, we got looks at Minecraft Legends, Forza Motorsport, Redfall, and of course, the big breakout hit, because nobody saw it coming, was Hi-Fi Rush. Uh, so second year now for the Developer Direct, we got looks at Avowed, Aura, History Untold, Senua Saga, Hellblade 2, uh, Visions of Mana was a bit of a surprise in Square Enix that wasn't part of the announced four. But of course, what they closed with, what they had hyped up was a first full look at Machine Games' Indiana Jones title. Now that we know is called Indiana Jones and the Great Circle. Mike, what did you think of the second annual Developer Direct? What a great time. Uh, my thoughts are, right? I thought they knocked it out of the park. It was a fantastic showing. I am so pleased with Tina. Tina Amini and the team over there are doing and how they're bringing the message to gamers. And this is a special one. This one's also very important and near and dear to my heart because I like the Xbox developer underscore direct, however you want to call it. I am a big fan of these because I love hearing from the hardworking men and women who are making those games that we all love. And I think it's special to go to their doorsteps and get to highlight them. We don't need a voiceover. We don't need Sarah Bond. We don't need Phil Spencer. We don't need anyone from the leadership team to showcase who's making these games. And that's what this is all about, right? Let them have the spotlight. Let them share the fun of what they're doing. And I think it's pretty cool. I, I always bring up, I wish that I was 8 to 16 being able to see something like this and go, oh, wow, these people are doing that cool job. I love these games. I didn't know there was a job like that where I could go do that. And so I wish there was more of that way back in the day. But I love what Tian and the team are doing, where they're showing up to the doorstep and letting these people talk about the games that they love and make and all the cool tech behind it. So fantastic showing. Great games this year, uh, this time around. And another fun what, 40 minutes to an hour of just hanging out, talking games with your friends? I loved it. Yeah. Caitlin, you, what did you, you think about it? Yeah. Uh, you made a really good point of like wishing we had something like this when we were younger and I feel the same way. And that's part of why we even started this podcast is because like I didn't even know like you could do PR for video games. I'm like, it's just it's stupid in hindsight to be like, yeah, of course, people work in the games industry. But I just it was never really visible to me until like I 
someone from our company reached out to me and I was like, oh, duh. And I'm like, so why like, why don't we do a podcast to talk about it? And then like started getting to like the developer directs. And there's just something about like listening and watching people who are super passionate about a project talk about it makes me even like more excited and have a greater appreciation for the art form and like what they do and the people who make those games. And I want to say like, especially now, I mean, it's always, but this past year has been really, really rough on developers in the games industry with tons of layoffs. And there's another round of layoffs today from Riot that I saw moments before we started this podcast and haven't even been able to like actually go and look at what that happened. Um, But my heart just goes out to all of these incredibly talented people who work on these games. And so to have these spotlights that it's like, it's not just shining and spotlighting the games. It's also spotlighting the people themselves and making them the, they're, they're real people who work on these games. They should be celebrated and appreciated. So I, I really enjoy these types of showcases and I think Xbox has done a really good job at doing it. I think it's a perfect amount of time. Like you said, 50, 40 minutes to an hour. I can't remember what the actual runtime was. Um, And just kind of cutting, like splicing clips of the game with like the developers talking about it. You go back to some clips. They, it never felt like we were spending too much time on one portion of the, of the game or people talking about it. So I, I really enjoyed it and it it flew by for me when I was watching it. Yeah. I did a quick fact check. Uh, 48 minutes uh, was this year's developer direct. I agree with both of you that it flew by. I mean, Tina and the events team at Xbox made this look easy. And this is this is not easy. We've seen in this you know new age of digital showcases, uh, we've seen people take kind of two forks in the road of either your more faceless, very quick paced Nintendo directs, which of course are huge hits. And, you know, they go through those headline sections where it's bam, 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 10 second, 10 second, 10 second of like, here's a port coming to switch. Here's something coming next year. Here's something downloadable available now. Or you see uh, studios giving really deep in dive developer led explanations of the making of their games and each feature. And, you know, the, the drawback of each of those of the former is, we don't get any FaceTime with developers. There's no personality behind, you know, the making of these games and the stories of how they came about. But then the downside is, is, you know, the, the drawback of the, the latter, you know, approach of giving developers front and center is that it, it can be dry. It can go on too long. It can, people can tune out by the first or second game and not stick around for whatever the third, fourth or fifth game is. And I think the pacing of this was great. It, showcased a bunch of faces and individuals on each team specializing and kind of showing how these games get made here's the art department here's the uh cinematic directing team it's it's cool and i love seeing xbox put a brand to this with developer direct positioning it at the front of every year and then it's not the only time they do it of course uh in june after their big kind of e3 style showcase they do a deeper dive that i know uh, Mike's co-host Paris has sometimes hosted giving developers more time to extrapolate on uh, what we just saw the day before. So I love them taking this approach. And I think it's like 
two year two, they're two for two now when it comes to what the developer direct is. Yeah, it's really fun to see the evolution of this too, right? Back in the day, it was inside Xbox where they had the big, yes. bombastic, highly produced. 30 to an hour long show, but it became a lot of talking heads and interview segments that kind of dragged just a little bit. And I think they saw that of like, well, it's easier for us to go to the developers and them tell us how awesome the game is. But sometimes an interview can kind of drag out and it doesn't feel as poppy. It doesn't keep the people's attention. I think this is the perfect, what they found this formula has really worked out. And I think nailing it down to this, this year, right? Sure. You know, these dates all lined up this year, but it is smart to say, Hey, everything you saw in June, we wrap up by the end of the year. Now let's look forward to what's next. And that is the fun of this is showing off a vowed, getting to see Hellblade. I mean, Hellblade, we've seen a lot of, but you can continue (laughs) to show me more because it is really, really awesome what that team does. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah caitlin's extremely excited for that one was that your yes, highlight that from the developer direct caitlin oh me yep um uh, yes i i'm trying to think i feel like it's it's easy for hellblade to just be my highlight of the year because i love that the first game so much and i will gladly watch more and i really hope they do another um uh documentary like they did the first game that was you could watch through the the menu so i'll take anything that they want to give me about that game i truly love everything that ninja ninja theory is doing over there um but i'm trying to think of if that is my highlight i i kind of want to say indiana jones is but i don't know if we want to dive right into the big one i feel like we have to <laughs> dive oh, into 10 the great minutes circle. of indiana jones with machine <laughs> games yeah i think you got to dive into that yeah. one is right yeah i think i think we need to and i i'm like a little nervous to say what i'm about to say i did not grow up on indiana jones um i might have mentioned this on the podcast i watched all of the movies for the first time last year and i think i really only enjoyed indiana jones in the last crusade gotta say i mean i truly Ow. i did love that movie i know it hurts but like it's Sean a, Connery, some of them are not just, good. It's fair. I just feel like they didn't age that well, and I feel like nostalgia plays a lot in a, for a lot a lot of people's loves for those movies. Not to say you can't love those movies, you can. I've really tried. I I did enjoy a lot of it. I just I didn't love it. Um, however, watching watching the ex the developer direct and everything that they showed in this game. I am more excited for Indiana Jones as a video game than I am for movies. I didn't really love the the one that the movie that came out last year um, for lots of reasons. I don't need to talk about my review of the movie, <laughs> but it, it's just like it's this is almost like Xbox's uh, answer to Uncharted. It feels like where it's just I love like an action adventure puzzle game. Um the first person I'm putting you like in the shoes of Indiana Jones. My favorite parts of the movies is the archeology span aspect, which seems like this is kind of, I mean, he's, he's back in his archeologist roots. Um, whereas I feel like that kind of, we lose that later on in some of the movies. So I don't know. I don't want to talk for too long right now, but yeah, something about this, this trailer, the showcase, them talking about it just got me really excited. The iconic music. Um, I think the first person is great, especially with like the the fighting sequences, machine. Uh, look, they hate Nazis more than any anybody, and I love it. <laughs> I am here for punching some not from punching some Nazis. Uh, 
so yeah, that's I think that was my my highlight of the showcase where it's I wasn't expecting to love it as much as I was. Whereas Hellblade, I knew I was going to love everything that they showed me. Mike, Indiana Jones was a long time coming. It was first, we were doing the prep for this show and I, for some reason, like was like, yeah, I think it was first like teased in 2021. And then even when we fact checked that, that still feels hard to believe that like three years ago was the first time we'd heard about this. So this full reveal of it is a long time coming. Did it live up to what you were hoping? What, what did you think of the full reveal? It did. It did, Sam. It was uh, something really special. You know, this is Todd Howard's like dream project. And they said after he gave the pitch, people were like clapping going, yeah, this is the real <laughs> deal. That should be really great. And so I am glad that Todd and the team were able to collide with Machine Games, who is super talented, right? I mean, this is studio. We wanted Wolfenstein 3 and they're known for Wolfenstein and we all wanted that. But the shift over to Indiana Jones is going to be a big marquee title here with a lot of extra eyes. Now I am mixed a little bit about the first person perspective and i know this is going to be a heated conversation all the time <laughs> on this should they have done that should they have not done that but this is a talented studio that makes first person shooter games and they know what they're doing and they're going to make a great experience out of this i do think though with the uncharted uh comparisons with the tomb raider comparisons right what indiana jones and stands for with that globe trotting incredible adventure right i do think they should have gone third person because you gotta show off indie you gotta sell this and it's something that xbox fans have always said oh i want that right i wish that i had that third person action adventure narrative video game that playstation always has and it is odd that you know Xbox and Microsoft have strayed away from that many of times here with opportunities to possibly try to get over into that area and say, hey, Xbox gamers, we can do that too. They always say, hey, we're going to stay in our lane. We're going to encourage our development teams to make the games they want to make. But with something like indie where, yeah, it's first person, but they're going to go the third person during cutscenes and interesting traversal mechanics. It's like, why didn't you just do third person, give the people what they want and really sell that, hey, this is Indiana Jones. Because at the end of the day, if you didn't know this was Indiana Jones without the score, it just looks like Wolfenstein to me. And I love that. But also at the same time, I think we've missed an opportunity here. And so the score is perfect. The game is going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited to see what they do. But I do wish it was third person. That's I that is very interesting. And I am usually right there with you. And like I much prefer a third person. And like Xbox loves their first person games. And I have feelings about just that as well. I I think the only reason why I'm okay with it being Indiana Jones is I think from like a narrative perspective and like as a player, like putting them really in Indy's shoes, it just feels more personable. I, I know there are other games that do that really well. Like I can think of like The Last of Us as like iconic, like narrative driven games where you like you feel like the character and you understand them. Um, but I I just think there's something different about like being being indie himself you you could see the the whip and i think that has a lot to do with it i think if he didn't have the iconic whip and it just was like a like guns and hands then like you're losing all aspects of indie i think at least seeing the whip makes sense and like it's kind of a visual reminder of who you are in that moment and like with cutscenes, you see him i i do agree with you though it is weird about switching to the third person for like some traversal aspects or like maybe some puzzles that I don't entirely understand. Like if you're going to do that, I do agree. Like you might as well just go third person. 
Um, but I, I don't mind it being first person for this one is I think what I'm, what I'm getting at. I totally feel that. Yeah. I, I'm right there with you is I'm excited. I know what machines capable is, you know, yeah. machine games is capable of, it's going to be a great time, but it is interesting of like that conversation. When will they, will they ever, they seem to continue to stray away from that, but this was a great showing, right? The orchestra and the music. If you hear that theme to Indiana Jones, you know exactly <laughs> what's about to go down. Something awesome, whether he's jumping from one plane wing to another, or maybe you're unburying some sort of crazy treasure. It's going to be an awesome globe trotting event. I can't wait to see it, Sam. I'm really excited. Yeah, this was the highlight of the direct for me. I am like Indiana Jones is one of those franchises. I, you know, remember sitting down with my dad and watching all of them. Totally fair. Like, I, I agree. I mean, A, you know, Temple of Doom is horribly racist. Uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, just corny. Um, and uh, Dial Destiny is okay. Um, but th just the filmmaking, Harrison Ford, the music, as you both pointed out, uh, I just have so much love when I do think has, has those elements, at least in isolation, have stood the test of time. So that's what makes it exciting for this game to be made with modern sensibilities, you know, losing some of the, the cultural things that have not aged well with the old movies. Uh, great combat coming from machine games, I assume. Uh, and that sense of adventure that we've gotten from Indiana Jones movies, we truly will get to see expanded here in what I assume will probably be like a 12 plus hour adventure, really giving you that sense of globetrotting that like you can only in a way summarize in a two, two and a half hour movie. So I think the first person perspective I'm, I'm okay with in a way it's interesting because I do think it helps differentiate it from Uncharted and Tomb Raider, which is still funny because clearly those things I don't think <laughs> would exist without Indiana Jones in the first place. Um, but I hope it plays or assume it will play to machine games of strengths and what, you know, to take a step back here, like for the developer direct as Mike pointed out, just talking about the show at large, I love them pegging the show in January as a, here's what you can expect from the year to come. Again, you know, we talked about Redfall and Forza in Minecraft Legends last year. Now, here's a bunch of games you can expect this year. And I didn't think Indiana Jones was coming this year. So I can't wait to, I assume, see it again in June, probably with a release date um, during their summer showcase and just get to bit know know a bit more about like where are we going in this uh i hope we get behind the scenes of like how is troy baker preparing to play one of the most iconic film characters of all time so like it's a nice balance of leaving a lot of questions up in the air while still getting us really excited did i miss anything okay, else about was, the game y'all wanted to I talk was about just, i was just about to ask if it was confirmed if it was troy because it sounded like him but i i didn't Look it up. Is it? This. I might have just like kind of just no, took a leap. No, it, it is confirmed. Okay. They, it I think Deadline okay. or Entertainment had like the, the okay. scoop on it. That's why we didn't know until the very end of it. That makes sense. Um, I I want to give a huge shout out to what Troy Baker has done just from what we heard his voice in the trailer. I think he did a really good job of like, I want to say it wasn't, wasn't imitating Harrison Ford's voice, but more of like taking inspiration from his voice like it's just different enough where it doesn't like get into the like i don't know if uncanny valley works with voices and i don't know really much about voice acting in general but i appreciate it that it wasn't a direct imitation of harrison ford's voice and like he feels original while still keeping a lot of like the i don't not vocal tics but just like the flow of harrison ford's voice in the indie indie movies and 
I, I don't think the game works unless you have Harrison Ford's likeness. So yeah, I would be, it'd be really interesting to hear more from Troy Baker as well. And basically how, how he tackled this role and how did, how he decided on what voice he was going to do. Cause I could see it going the direct like mimic of Harrison Ford going strain much the other way, which if they couldn't get Harrison Ford's likeness visually, I could see that happening. But I, I don't think the game works without without his likeness and the voice. So props to him from what we've heard and seen so far. I'm I'm looking forward to his performance. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, really impressive stuff. At this and on top point, of that, ten minutes. Right. I mean, that's the big part about this. We had a 10 minute blowout with this team. Normally, an Indiana Jones title reveal, especially world premiere gameplay, would probably be reserved for a summer June event. And so the idea of like, we've only gotten a teaser and now we got this. I can't imagine, like you said, Sam, what's going to happen in June, what kind of blowout they'll have. But to start the year off with this and also to say, hey, 2024 window, pretty special stuff. It's, yeah. it's almost the opposite of what they did with Starfield, where it's like you st- you start with a teaser and you're like, I have no idea what this game's going to be, but like I'm excited for it. And they probably they could have done that with Indiana Jones, where it's like, I don't know, you you hear the music, you get some visuals, like scenery of the game. And it ends with like a back shot, like you see Indy's hat and him holding the whip. Like they could have absolutely done that. And fans would have gone crazy and speculated about the game for the next six months. But instead, they're like, no, we're going to show you like pretty much exactly what this game is. Probably maybe it's because they're just so confident in the game themselves and they're excited. I, I imagine there was lots of discussions and lots of meetings on deciding a strategy for how they were going to reveal it. I'm glad they did what they did. It made me even more excited for it as a, I'll say, a gen- general fan, I guess. It's, it's not the, the wording I'm trying to think of right now, but general consumer, I suppose. Um, so yeah, it's, I don't know what more they're going to show us. If maybe they'll do another, like an indie direct, like not, not indie games, but the Indiana Jones direct and we get even more of a deep dive, but it's a bright future for Xbox this year. Yes, it is. So Mike, I would recommend everybody listening. If you want to hear the kind of funny cruise, whole thoughts and everything shown at the developer direct, go out, check out last week's episode of the X cast, but Mike coming off of the developer direct, of course, we've talked about Senua saga, Hellblade two, uh, Indiana Jones and the great circle. I listed the other games earlier. What else, like what was the other big highlights for you or like question marks left up in the air by the showcase for you as like an Xbox, somebody clocked into the ecosystem. Mm-hmm. No, great question, Sam. I got a couple fun ones for you, and I'll shoot off a couple. First off, I want to talk about getting nerdy with the Aura History <laughs> Untold team, okay? We got real nerdy with this team, and they're a whole lot of nerds in a good way because, man, it is tough sometimes to show a 4X super RTS strategy game to just the masses who really don't know or understand what's going on. If you haven't played Civ and really understand Civ, you're not going to know what's going on here. And that is exactly what happened during their segment. (laughs) I know a lot of us over at Kind of Funny probably put our heads down because we're not the big strategy people. We don't like the 4X games. It's just too many menus and understanding. But I will say this. They made it fun. 
They kept it straight to the point. They shared their passion for it, and they showed off a really cool game. If you are interested in 4X games, if you want to get super nerdy with it, this game seems to have it all, and I am really impressed with what they showed, right? This is a game where I'm not interested in that, and no game, not every game is for me, but think during these developer directs, it's easy to go, oh man, none of these games are for me. That show stunk. But in reality, hey, sometimes it's not going to be for me, but what they did show was fun. I thought they had a lot of fun with it. I was interested in that. My other one, of course, was Avowed. I had a lot of questions coming into Avowed of, can they show something that will wow me and get me interested enough to jump into this? Because right now, I've been looking at Avowed kind of like, eh, I don't know if I'm in the mood. I don't know if I'm going to be jumping into this. But I did like the combat a lot. I liked the idea of making loadouts and being able to quickly change from one combat uh, kind of scenario with your weapons to another. I really enjoyed that. They do have a great writing team. I am a little worried about the stiff animations that we just saw with Bethesda and Starfield when it comes to conversations. So I hope that it can be fun, but uh, Avowed still leaves a question mark for me that I think I'm going to have to go hands-on to really see if I fall in love with this or not. I, I wrote the same thing about Avowed, and I feel this way about a lot of like RPG games, especially, again, we're like going back to the first person where I'm not sure how I feel about first person in some RPGs, but it's, <laughs> it's just one of those games where I'm like, this is either going to be a lot of fun, and it looks like a beautiful game, um, or it might feel empty and I might lose some interest kind of, I don't want to say Starfield, but like kind of Starfield. Um, so I, but I, I want to say like the showcase made me more interested in about and so maybe decide like, okay, I think this is a game that I will try. Um, whereas before I wasn't sure if it was one that I would, uh, but yeah, it's, I don't know, a great game for anyone who wants to fight little lizard guys. I'm not <laughs> sure why. A lot of lizard guys. Just, there was a lot of lizard guys in this trailer. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the wild was, part about this, it, for the RPG, sorry, Sam, really quick, was just, no, you know, we're ahead. living in a post-Baldur's Gate 3 world, right? And I think yeah. that yeah. Starfield suffered a lot from that, of like seeing what the potential could be. And maybe you aren't into the turn-based idea that was Baldur's Gate and kind of Dungeons and Dragons-themed combat, but you did see incredible writing, an awesome narrative, really great characters that you could fall in love with, and on top of that, decisions that really mattered, right? There was never a moment where you were like, oh, whatever decision I make, it's not going to matter at the end, surely, right? But Baldur's Gate proved that we could do all that and some. And so the issue now that we see with a lot of these RPGs is going, man, we've been there, done that, and we've seen what's next, and that's where I want to be. But it feels like when I look at Avowed, I go, oh, I don't know if my decisions are going to matter in this, and is that going to weigh on me 10 hours, 20 hours in? And can this first-person combat that I've seen in Skyrim and Oblivion and so many other RPGs really carry the load here? And that's my worry is, yeah, the combat won me over, but also, there's a lot more than just combat in these video games. Yeah, great point. The Baldur's Gate in the room of any RPG conversation is just going to be really tough, and I, I don't see where that ends. It's going to be with that's going to be the question any RPG has to answer going forward, especially one that's coming from like a Western team, because we get we did get a look at a JRPG action JRPG with uh, Visions of Mana from Square Enix, but with Avowed. I was impressed with this showing, at least compared to what we've seen before. I remember the reveal years ago now at this point had a really dark fantasy approach that doesn't do 
so much for me as this more vibrant and colorful look that we're getting now. So like Caitlin noted, like the the world design and the the palette they're taking with this game, I was really into. But yeah, I, I'm I think that's a big question they'll have to answer is what type of RPG experience does this deliver uh, that makes it stand out or differentiates itself from BG3. And that might even be something similar to what they did with Outer Worlds. If that game is to fall out as this game is to potentially Skyrim, maybe what they say is, you know, we made this to be a more condensed uh, streamlined experience. It's not the biggest, it's not an ocean, but it is a, a very deep lake um, where, you know, you can get in and get out within 20 hours. And for all you RPG fans who are a little older and don't have as much time, uh, like this is a game that you can do one playthrough of and enjoy, or you can keep running back and see all the permutations. I mean, that's a lot of assuming on my part, but if it's following the outer world's blueprint, that would be something that would interest me, at least as someone who doesn't have a whole lot of time for big RPGs. I, I feel a little called out by the old comment because I love the Outer Worlds and I was just thinking of that game, but I wasn't thinking it because I was old, but apparently I'm old. I, like, I mean, like people who <laughs> don't have time. <laughs> That's what I'm yeah, saying. No, I, I, I just don't have time for games these days. Um, I say that, but like, that's that's not true. How many hours do I play Fortnite? We gotta, <laughs> I gotta move past that game. It's got a grip that just won't let go. Um, yeah, I I didn't even think about that. I would actually be really interested if this was more of a like condensed out, just like bit my tongue. It's we're <laughs> fine. It's a Monday. If a condensed like RPG type game, if it was something like The Outer Worlds, I I think I would be really into it. But Part of the Outer Worlds appeal was I also really enjoyed the story. So visuals can only go so far. I I, I need a good narrative that hooks me. Um, I'd say that's one of my like it's a little bit different. More, but like the Horizon Zero Dawn series, I beautiful game. Um, the narrative kind of always loses me. I tried playing both those games, and I I play about ten hours of each game, and then I stopped. I'm just, I'm real cynical today. I'm spewing a lot of things <laughs> that's going to get me hate. But uh, yeah, I'm, I want to see more of Avowed. So Mike, this topic of is about a shorter experience does the last kind of other big news topic that came out of the developer direct was that Hellblade 2, which was the first game we saw for the series, the Xbox series consoles. We've got, like you said, we've seen it a couple times now. They did confirm it is a shorter experience a la the first uh, Hellblade game, Senua's Sacrifice. It'll be $50, digital only. And again, as someone... As an, uh, an older gamer myself who does not have that much time <laughs> for things, you know, for games these days, that really appeals to me. Uh, but what was your reaction to that? It not being, you know, I was talking with my brother who, who um, he thought maybe this was going to try to eat some of Sony's lunch in terms of like a God of War 20 hour big cinematic meal of a game. Uh, are you are you happy with this as an Xbox fan? 
I am mega happy with the time frame that they are looking at, right? I think the first one was perfect at that seven to 10 hours. And that's really where I want to be. I want this to be an interactive, almost movie, but I'll call it interactive movie experience, right? I want this to be told. I want this to be shown. I want more of the gameplay to be limited. And I know that's crazy for a lot of people out there that's going to say, no, Mike, we wanted the combat elevated and we wanted more of this. I want the story. I want to get lost in the awesome narrative that they're going to tell. And I want this to, I want combat and gameplay to be on the back seats. I just want to get lost in this one. So for what I heard, what I saw, it's all thumbs up for me. And uh, I'm not mad at timing. Caitlin, what about you? Yeah, I, I think, I think I interpreted differently when they said it was a shorter narrative led game. I don't know if that meant it was be shorter than the first game or just like shorter and, the general sense of most narrative games that are released to right now. Yeah, sorry, sorry uh, if I I meant the the latter. I, I they've said okay. it's as long as the first one, if not maybe a little okay. longer, but it's not going to be like twenty hours. Yeah, no, I and I'm with Mike. Like seven to ten hours is such a sweet spot. And when it comes to combat, I think combat was my least favorite part of the first game. I think like it that was not the strong suit of the game. It wasn't like even the boss battles. It wasn't like some Elden Ring boss. Like I feel like. Once you got the hang of what you needed to do, it was pretty easy to progress through the game. And while I enjoyed those experiences, my the, my favorite part of it was the narrative and like just all the other audio and visual aspects of the game, the the puzzle mechanics, how it all had to do with like Senua's like psychosis and her like her mental disabilities and just like really her fighting through that and also fighting through the world and ninja theory just oh they did such a great job with that first game and telling a beautiful story that i don't know has been told in any in another game or i just i haven't seen it so yeah i i'm with you mike like give give me the narrative give me that seven to ten hours i sit i'll probably sit down and play that game in one sitting most likely if not two with like a break short break in between but i am really looking forward to that and yeah i don't i don't need any crazy new combat and they didn't really show a lot of combat so i i don't think that's going to be a huge um focus point of the second game so with that i'm i'm with y'all i again short games are good Thank you, Xbox. It makes sense with their Game Pass strategy. That's why something, if Avowed ends up being shorter, or at least in the case of Outer Worlds, that makes sense for the Game Pass strategy because it's it's something you can subscribe to and that's the game you got that month that you spend with and then you're ready for whatever third party or first party thing comes the month after. Um, so on that, mark your calendar, Cinema Saga 2, or I, Hellblade 2, I always get the title wrong, is coming out May 21st. Um, we have fall uh kind of earmarked for about and then uh just 2024 for indiana jones so mike what's your you know scheming it out here when do you think avowed indiana jones come out do you think anything else major is coming from xbox this year i guess flight sim can't forget flight sim 2024 don't you yeah. forget Flight Sim 2024, okay? Put I will on it. It's going to be a ton of fun, okay? <laughs> no, I mean Flight it. Flight Sim showed you anything. I'm telling you, the idea I... of what they're doing with the activities, you're going to love Flight Sim 2024. That will probably be their highest rated game of the year for Xbox. <laughs> I have, like, no doubt. I'm a I Flight Sim I listened to uh, Kind of Funny's uh, 
the open critic draft fantasy critic draft yes. and smart strat for getting you know I, I forget now who drafted uh flight sim 24 but they, you know they did the research last one was in the 90s i think this one's gonna yes. be just as good <laughs> uh blessing did very good you'll probably hear me try to bad mouth it trying to get him not to pick it was my goal but he exactly did his research and his homework uh yeah this year looks really great right you start to see the pieces and the dominoes taking shape and where we're going to start putting these games i am very excited for the year ahead and the first party lineup starts to look stronger Right, That's the goal here for Matt Booty and the team of how do we bring this first party lineup back and make it a strong part. And I know the goal is one big game a quarter, and we're seeing that right now. Right, You start to see these four games that were shown, and you can start imagining where pieces are going to start to fall. On top of that, we still don't know where Flight Sim is, and also... We're going to have some great third-party partnerships on Game Pass, right? Every single month, you can guarantee that that team is going to add something really strong that's going to make you say, man, that saved me $70 or $60. Or, man, I wasn't going to play this game, but thanks to Game Pass, I'm going to jump on it. So they continue to strengthen the year. And I thought last year we had a good year, right? We kind of tripped a little bit with Redfall. But if you look at where we started to go, we had one big game from the first-party studios once every quarter. And that's where the team wants to be. And right now seeing not only these four, but others that are on the way, I think we're going to have a strong year for Xbox, the ecosystem, Game Pass, and for the Xbox players, which is most important, right? The people that are putting out their hard-earned money, they're going to get rewarded with great games. And so I am excited for the first-party lineup. When I look at it, right, Hellblade will probably be our first first-party title here in May. You turn around with that one, you'll see Aura in fall. Indiana Jones, hoping it will be 2024. If anything, that will definitely be your holiday banger for sure. Mm -hmm. So it will be a tight window between Avowed, Aura History Untold, and then into Indie. But I think all three of those will be shortly after that kind of June summer window heading into early fall events. Yeah, and, you know, as, as us PR people know all too well, like I – Hope, just personally speaking, that uh, at Summer Game Fest and or Gamescom that there might be some hands-on opportunities with uh, either Avowed and uh, Indiana Jones and Aura. So um, much to look forward to there. Speaking of Summer Game Fest, Mike, with I mean, this was a hell of a showcase. Like, as we talked about, I, they could have gotten away with just a cinematic trailer and a title reveal for Indiana Jones, but we got a nice look at what that game's going to be. What do you think is coming with their usually hour plus long showcase this summer. It'll be a fun one, right? Because the past two summers we've branded Xbox and Bethesda, right? Which has been the fun time of, Hey, the acquisition has gone through. We've onboarded some brand new teams. We still want to show Bethesda because you all know who you love. You love Bethesda and their RPGs. They're part of our team now, but you know, they're still Bethesda. So we've done a really good job these past couple of summers, giving them the spotlight. Of course, Todd and the team coming out with, their first brand new RPG in 25 years, you know, new genre, new theme, which was special with Starfield. And so that's got its own light. Now we kind of shift gears. I anticipate this summer we're going to be talking a lot about ABK, uh, Activision, Blizzard, and King. Mm. I think that will be the fun spotlight. I think here in the spring you'll most likely see the roundtable with the team maybe introducing some new key leadership, showing you the new vision and announcing that backwards compatibility with a lot of those titles that you want from the back catalog into Game Pass. But this summer should be the big celebration of hey, we have just brought on a lot of massive talent, and they're going to show you what they got. There should be some big games. I mean, we're talking about World of Warcraft with the brand-new expansion. 
Perfect way to share that. Maybe even put that on Game Pass would be a major win if we could just drop that subscription service. But that's a whole can of weed or a can of worms. <laughs> but I mean, I, I think you'll see a lot of ABK this summer, which will be even bigger for the summer showcase. I gotta, I gotta put it out there. Uh, we work with we work with Blizzard, so I it's, I really want to talk about this. And but I I actually don't know anything, but I don't want to say something and someone's like, oh my god, Triple Point knows and has the inside scoop. I don't know, but I am with you. That is what I would expect. Like as just a fan of ABK Blizzard games in general, I love World of Warcraft. I do work on World of Warcraft though, so I I have to put that disclaimer out there for our listeners. Um, but yeah, that seems to be the, that is what the people want. And I think with, I mean, one of the largest acquisitions ever, it just makes sense that they would be, they would do a showcase with ABK and kind of now that it's been like approved, the acquisition has gone through, how, what are the changes to the ABK structure? How is it folding into the Xbox family? What's coming to game pass? I, I know these plans have probably been in talks since the acquisition first got announced even when it was going through all of the the legal legal aspect of things um so i i'm personally excited to learn more as well but yeah i i can't like can't talk about it (laughs) (laughs) we got her sam we're having some fun with that one Uh, i'm like sitting here sweating i'm like oh my god what can i what can i say (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> hey i don't work on those teams so just as a fan i think that's <laughs> a great point mike um i didn't like yeah what w- what's you know oh they went so big with the developer direct what's to wait for this summer of uh, the the biggest acquisition in gaming history of course yeah. so you Elephant know looking at our history yeah <laughs> looking at our history books uh i i did some research bethesda that acquisition was announced and closed in fall of 2020 and then in like March of 2021. So about six months later, that's when there was this awesome Xbox wire post. That's like, you know, 16 Bethesda games are on game pass now and look forward to all of these coming in the coming weeks or months. So maybe we don't you hear or see that until that'd be an amazing summer showcase thing. So uh, lots to look forward to. And I, I was listening to the Xcast. I'll, I'll just shout it out there. I'm with you on uh, where's Gear 6. I think that would be oh, fun to oh, see at the Summer oh. Showcase as well. Did I, did I say did yeah, I jinx it? <laughs> no, I, I, you know, it, it's funny, right? Because we start to turn back towards the Xbox first-party titles that we know. Of course, mm-hmm. Fable's out there. We look at Perfect Dark, State of Decay. We, we're anticipating the next Gears. But really, they could probably get away with another summer without Gears because, in all honesty, yeah. it should be about ABK, right? And the big wins there, Diablo 4, if that comes to Game Pass, that's a mega win for your fan base right now. You get to show the big DLC. That's going to be a win. World of Warcraft coming to that, that's a big win. If Overwatch was in a better place, anything Overwatch would probably be a massive win in this case. Mm-hmm. But right now, you can kind of leverage that to say, hey, True first-party teams are older first-party teams. Maybe you get a couple months. Maybe you get a year to take a back seat while we can showcase them. And I know, I'm sure all those developers would go, phew, that's nice. Let's figure out what the <laughs> next one is instead of having to rush to the table for June. No, yeah, that's a I, great point. I, I will say, I what I, I don't want to say I wish for this direct. I think we just got really lucky last year with the shadow drop of Hi-Fi Rush. I would love a little sneaker 
drop <laughs> of a game and their next showcase. I mean, I, it also depends on the game, but Hi-Fi Rush was such a huge success and I loved it as soon as I watched the developer direct last year. I immediately went and downloaded Hi-Fi Rush and played it like for days straight. Um, I know we we talked about it and we had one of the voice actors, Gabe Kunda, on a previous episode talking about that game and his work too. So definitely like check that out if you if you liked Hi-Fi Rush. But I I would love to see a little bit more of the the indie indie spotlight, like shadow drops in the showcases. I, I was kind of expecting that for this showcase, but I wasn't disappointed given what we got and with the the release date for uh, Hellblade 2 being so soon, that was like a huge shock to my to me and I'm I was satisfied, but I would love to see maybe during their summer showcase or if they do another direct in between then i i would love to see more of these yeah more of yeah. these is always great i mean the idea of xbox team always does a great job with chris charlin and the team spotlighting indies which i always love i think we'll get one of those guaranteed this year because they do that every year uh like you said if you start to peel back and look at the whole picture of the year you get a lot of xbox and a whole lot of communication from <laughs> xbox at different shows different showcases their own showcases i mean they're everywhere they're telling you exactly what you want to know which is special and on the case of Surprise shadow drops, right? Very tough, as you probably know, to pull that off without a whole lot of game pundits and industry insiders sharing a lot of news all the time. But it is always fun. I think on that one, my mind would turn towards the Gears collection, right? If you could somehow mm -hmm. this summer keep a lid on that and somehow be like, hey, that Gears collection that was possibly rumored is real and it's out now, that's a big win, right? That's one of those where that would be celebrated. That would be awesome. There's just so much news and so much insider information all the time now that it's tough to get away with one of these without us all knowing what's going to happen, which is always so sad because I know the developers <laughs> love that fun stuff. Yeah, it was really impressive what they pulled off uh, with Hi-Fi Rush last year. Shout out to the whole team there. And um, with your, you make a great point about holding, you know, putting my Gears fandom aside as much. Uh, I do hope we get that collection though. Like hold Gear 6 Till another year when we do need an announcement because that is one you know just putting my pr hat on for a second xbox has gotten very eager with like a lot of these showcases of announcing things really really early like avalanche's contraband we haven't seen in in a couple years now outer you know caitlin and i were talking putting together the outline like you know obsidian's busy making avowed who knows when we see outer worlds 2 which was announced a couple years ago as well um so yeah, putting some of the announcement, like new announcements on ice for a bit and giving us updates on a couple of those things. Like I would love to see South of Midnight, um, which is the game from Compulsion Games. Uh, that was one of my favorite trailers last year. So there's a lot of just like questions we could get answered with gameplay <laughs> showcases this year. That'll be fun. Uh, yeah, I think Xbox has had a rocky road with this and all <laughs> game publishers have a rocky road with this of showing a little bit too early. I think the team also had a big correction. What was it last year, summer before that, where they said all these games are in the next 12 months. And then we all mm -hmm. said, well, what the heck, man? Like, I want to know what's even <laughs> further than that. And they were like, no, you told us you didn't want that. So what's your deal? So, yeah, they are <laughs> trying to establish the correct communication from this point forward. And I think the developer direct is a great answer to that of hey here's the games this year let's focus on that then your big june showcase can be games this year games next year and games even further than that right because we've now mm -hmm. seen 
State of Decay 3, shown way too early, that has gone ice cold on that one, right? We've now talked about Perfect Dark, which has had its troubles, and the development cycle of now a smaller team working with a different team that's not in the first-party umbrella. That is gone ice cold and we haven't seen that right so there's a lot of games that have come and gone in the xbox universe ever wild i'm looking at you as well rare but uh <laughs> it, it is a fun game to play of what do we tease when do we show it uh, i don't think you'll ever find the right answer but for me it is always fun to show way out there right tell me what that fun title is show me something tease me I'm fine with that, but it is tough to look at a game like Perfect Dark, who I'm excited for, and go, oh, man, when's that coming? And then you kind of start counting the days and then the months, and now it's years, and you're just like, I don't know when we will see that again and what the conversation will be about that game. Yeah, I always think about Silk Song was part of that presentation. Yes. I think it was two Junes ago, and they're like, yeah, all <laughs> within the next year. It's been almost two years. It's been five years since Silk Song was announced. <laughs> like. That is that's a long time between announcement of a game and release, especially when you have a showcase where you're like, all these games are coming out in the next year. And then the games just go dark and you say nothing, which I get like there's no point in calling attention to it. If that that year date moves on, you're just hoping people don't notice. But those of us who are very tuned in do notice. Uh, yeah, actually, that. That'd be a great shadow drop. They won't do that. But <laughs> <laughs> wishful thinking. I just give me Silk Song as soon as possible. Though Prince of Persia is actually satisfying my Metroidvania. Hey, it, it's right a great now. game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm far into that game. That's I have been playing that all weekend when I wasn't watching football and stayed up way too late playing it. So shout out to shout out to that game and that team. Small shout out to Ubisoft, and we like to dunk on them a lot, and deservedly so, yeah. but I will say they have at least taken a turn, in my opinion, in a positive way. I really liked the latest Far Cry. I know that's kind of a mixed bag. I appreciate the latest Assassin's Creed, and I love this new uh, Prince of Persia game. So I, I think, you know, in my mind, that team is making some better judgment calls, doing a little bit better in my eyes, so I'm pleased with that. But, you know, we usually dunk on them, which is easy to do. Yeah, I, I feel you. It's... <laughs> Ubisoft has they've got they've had some bumps in the road but I'm yes I'm hopeful for them well Mike we've covered the developer direct predictions for the summer showcase a lot about like the games lineup for Xbox but kind of in closing do you have any other broader or or more weird predictions for Xbox or Microsoft in the year ahead like last week there were some headlines going around about Microsoft CEO talking about you know the future of them publishing on other platforms as you know with Activision um and of course Game Pass continues to cook with you know we don't have time to talk about it this week but the game of the moment Power World is available right now on Game Pass so you know with these other kind of Xbox topics is there any other big things you're looking or hoping for from the from the company this year well you better play pal world now before pokemon and nintendo <laughs> get a hold of them is what i'll say to you uh i spent all weekend with pal world and i thought that game was an absolute hit i had so much fun with it and for that to be day one on game pass and of course to see the massive sales success and concurrent players over on steam wow who would have saw that one coming after we all first laughed saying it's Pokemon with guns. But uh, yeah, that's a whole nother situation that we'll talk about another time. That will be fun to see what happens here in the coming week and a month for me. 
you know, there's a lot that goes on here, right? We kind of talk about like we're hitting the mid part of the generation. When will we see new hardware? What is the vision of new hardware? You talk about digital only games like Hellblade and Alan Wake. And is that good? Is there still a physical marketplace? What does that mean for us owning games and the rights of that? And Xbox has a lot of questions and a lot, of course, a lot of push for this subscription service that I know we all love, but like at the same time, it's like, man, I don't own these games and I'm paying a lot of money on a lot of subscription services already. But for me, what I'd like to see out of Xbox, of course, is the continued push for incredible first party titles. I think they do a great job bolstering these devs, giving them the funds and the backing that they need to create the games that they want, right? It would have been easy to snap your fingers and say, we're going to chase what Sony does and you're only going to make third person narrative adventure games figure it out or chase what Nintendo does and say, Hey, you're going to make a killer mascot 3d platformer. You're going to do it now, but no, they've stuck to their guns. And I think Phil and the team should be respected for allowing the developers to make the games that they want to make and support them in that. Sure. We've had a couple of missteps, but it does seem like they're on the right path and we're going to continue to grow with that. Uh, I'm looking forward to ABK coming under the umbrella, seeing that really help out the Game Pass library, saving me a ton of money on buying Call of Duty every single year. I can't <laughs> wait for that to go through. I know a lot of other people will be very pleased with that. I think the partnerships with Sony and Nintendo have been strong and will continue to stay strong, especially with Call of Duty and Activision and what that really looks like in the future. Xbox needs them, right? And they need Xbox. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to push the other one out. Of course, they want you to give them your money and time. But Xbox does, I think, want to work with them. And a game like Sea of Thieves, I know a lot of people got really up in arms about the idea of first-party titles coming to other places. But as someone who plays a lot of games as services and multiplayer games, a game like Sea of Thieves needs a player base. A game like Sea of Thieves deserves a player base because the team over at Rare made something really special. And I know it's been a great six-year run over on Xbox and PC exclusively, but for more people to be able to jump in there, for more people to possibly spend money on the game and microtransactions to help Rare in that studio... I'm all for because I want that game to continue to survive and I want more people to play it. I think it is rad. Uh, my biggest question marks is family game pass. When will we see this? Is it real? Is that sustainable for what they're trying to do? Right. Are me and my five jabroni friends really going <laughs> to sign up at 25, $35 a month and kind of pull one over on Microsoft and get it on the cheaper end. Maybe. I don't know if they'll allow that, but they'll figure it out because they did test it and then we haven't heard anything since. So I am looking to see what that is all about. And my one big dream, I love what they did with EA Play. I think that's a big deal. I love celebrating that on Game Pass because I get to play all the sports titles for 10 hours free with that EA First Play. Uh, I think that's a big deal. And I, I think that should be celebrated. I love what they did with Riot Games, giving me all of the operators and League of Legends champions via the Game Pass subscription. That is huge and a big deal to me. I cannot wait to see them and what they do in the future. But I would love for them to team up with awesome third-party developers giving me great games where I don't have to worry about spending too much money. So please put World of Warcraft maybe half price or all the way in on Game Pass <laughs> Ultimate so I can stop giving them $15 a month because I'm already <laughs> doubling up with this and Game Pass. It's a lot of money. <laughs> well, Mike, just uh, slide into my DMs. I've got some game time codes for you. <laughs> <laughs> You're amazing. <laughs> 
Uh, well, those are all great shouts, Mike. Like Caitlin said about the indies, like I think shout out to the ID at Xbox program and like that in a one-two punch with Game Pass, I think is really powerful, like elevating things like Jassant last year, which I think otherwise just would have gotten buried. But putting that on Game Pass made it a very easy holiday recommendation as we talked about on this show a couple weeks ago. And yeah, in terms of, you know, Microsoft, Xbox as a publisher, I... I'm all for PlayStation putting their games on PC either at launch or a couple months later, whatever satisfies the fans. And same thing with Microsoft. Like, yeah, Hi-Fi Rush has got to be exclusive on PC and Xbox for a year or a year plus before it then comes to Switch or PlayStation. Same with Sea of Thieves. Like, it's all good for the games. Like, they're great games. Let's get more people playing them. So I know the the fanboy backlash is there, but uh, I think getting the games that make sense in as many hands as possible is of course, like for the the best long term Xbox wise. A lot of people won't want to hear me say this, but I'll end the episode with this. Halo should have had a battle royale. Three four three. I'm so <laughs> proud of you and what you did. I'm sorry it just didn't kick off right. We just didn't land it. I do look forward to seeing what this team can do. They're still holding on. They're still giving you <laughs> games and gameplay, but like. Halo Infinite is not a 10-year game like we thought it was going to be. It is unfortunately not the platform of the future, and I do think that we will see 343 start to move on to a new title, maybe give us a better Halo, but, like, you know, I love Halo to death, and I really wish that that succeeded. It just did not hit the mark on the Games as a Service live service game, and that one hurt me. That one really hurt me. Mm -hmm. Me too. Live service they games were are really tough, but yeah, it's yeah. they were they were close. I really loved that game at launch and yeah, the six months after it, and then yeah, it's it is really hard to put enough content out to keep those games relevant and exciting and new. And it's yeah, I I really hope three four three can their next adventure. Hopefully, is they've probably learned a lot from Halo Infinite, and I I'm, I'm confident or hopeful that. The next one will be it'll be the Halo game that we all want and deserve. <laughs> all right. Well, Mike, thank you so much for doing this Xbox 2024 preview with us. Where can the people find you and listen to you? Hey, what up, everybody? It's your boy, Snowbike Mike. You can find me everywhere at Snowbike Mike. But of course, you can find me here at Kind of Funny with all things Kind of Funny Games. Each and every week, we're bringing you all the nerdy news you need to know about with Kind of Funny Games daily. All of our awesome podcasts like PS I Love You, XOXO, the XCast, and Gamescast. So if you want more game news, if you want more game commentary, we got you covered. And of course, you can always find us on Twitch just streaming and having fun with our friends. Hell yeah. We'll link to all of that in the description. Personal recommendation to the uh, Kind of Funny Game Showdown uh, hosted by Bless. Been loving it every week. It's a highlight of my Friday. Uh, I was going to shout out one more thing, but it slipped my mind. For now, Caitlin, where can the people find you? <laughs> you can find me at Caitlin Redwing on pretty much all social media and here on Real Time Strategy on YouTube and all your podcast platforms. <laughs> Uh, you can find me everywhere at Sam Scott Mosier. Find the show at Real Time Strats. Email us at podcast at triplepointpr.com. And I remember the last thing I was going to say, Mike. Uh, the lab is incredible. Killer job with the 2024 update. Yes. It looks... I was like, oh, man, this is like the best set we've had on this show. No no offense to the previous guests we've had, but look sick, my dude. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you, Kevin and Nick, for making the lab the upgrade. Uh, it's been a ton of fun, and we're going to make some great content in here. All right. Well, we'll look forward to it. But for now, thank you all so much for listening. Thanks, everyone. Bye.